this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the in focus podcast i am g sampath the hindu's social affairs editor and your host for today's episode Last week the cabinet committee on security approved the procurement of 83 light combat aircraft named Tejas these would be manufactured by Hindustan Aeronautics Limited HAL for the Indian Air Force at a cost of around 47000 crores of these 83 planes 73 would be Tejas Mark 1A fighter aircraft and the remaining 10 would be Tejas Mark 1 trainer aircraft this deal has been hailed as a landmark event both in terms of achieving self-reliance in defense manufacturing and also addressing the festering problem of depleting squadron numbers in the Indian Air Force. As we consider this deal, several questions pop up. How does the Tejas compare with other fighters in its category? Does self-reliance in this instance really mean strategic autonomy? How does this acquisition fit in with India's military doctrine? To answer these questions and more, We have with us Sushant Singh, an expert on strategic affairs and senior fellow with the Center for Policy Research, New Delhi. Sushant, welcome to In Focus. Thank you, Sampat. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, Sushant, uh, let's start with a little bit of uh, the background and history of this whole project. uh can can you share something about uh, how this lca project came about how it was originally conceived when it evolved into tejas and why uh, it has taken so long to fructify so uh, the lca project an indigenous light combat aircraft project was envisaged by the drdo in 1983 uh it was a project for 560 crore rupees where they thought that they would be able to uh indigenously manufacture a light combat aircraft of their own in 1985 the indian air force uh, that then air chief latif they issued the what is called uh, what are called as the air staff qualitative requirements essentially the requirements from an aircraft what does the air force want from the aircraft and in october 1985 the asqr was given by the by the indian air force and the idea at that time was that the air force will eventually get 220 light combat aircraft which would primarily start replacing the mig aircraft by 1994 uh but as we know for various reasons but you know, said uh, mig aircraft any particular variant of the mig they're like we have not different kinds of mig aircraft right so primarily the major the mainstay of the indian air force said that for a long period of time was the mig 21 and uh, it was meant to replace the mig 21 aircraft okay. and all the all the variants of the mig 21 uh they they're off uh, mig 21 has had many variants starting from the 1960s till the 1980s and they've been upgraded as well so there is still one squadron of mig 21 BIS if i'm not wrong which is still in service with the with the with the indian air force so it was the the, the aircraft was planned to have been inducted starting from 1994 but for various reasons the delay in in planning of the aircraft making of the aircraft but more so because of various restrictions on india due to the mtcr regime the missile technology control regime of which india was not a part of and also after the nuclear testing in 1998 uh india was not able to get a lot of technologies which it needed to get from abroad particularly from the us 
whether it be the uh, engine technology or other technologies that are required in an aircraft. And that is why a lot of delay took place. Eventually, the first flight of the aircraft took place uh, in 2001, 4th January 2001. That was the first flight of LCA took place. And in 2003, uh, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, the then Prime Minister, named it as Tejas. Uh, since then, uh, since then, there have been a lot of plans to induct the aircraft into service. And as you mentioned, the aircraft uh, Tejas Mark One, what is known as, in the initial operating uh, operational clearance mode, was uh, was planned to be inducted. Twenty of them, sixteen of them fighter jets, four of them trainers, and twenty of them in final operational clearance mode. Uh, sixteen of them again, uh, the the fighter jets, and four of them trainers. Uh, the, the these aircrafts, the Air Force agreed to buy them in 2005, and since then there has been there was no move to buy further Tejas till 2015, uh, when Manohar Parikar, the late Manohar Parikar, was the Defence Minister and really gave it a push as to why we are not buying the Tejas to make up our numbers or to build the backbone of the of the Indian Air Force, and that is when a rethinking. On the on the Tejas took place. The idea of a Mark One Alpha, with some improvements over the Mark One, a new radar, a new other things, uh, came up uh, instead of a Mark Two. So you know, rather than directly going from Tejas Mark One to Mark Two, you had an improved variant of Mark One, which is the Mark One Alpha. And this new contract for 83 uh, aircraft is actually for Mark One Alpha or Mark One A, as it is called. So this is now being touted uh, as the biggest uh, indigenous defense procurement deal. Uh, 83 uh, planes for for for, for this much 47,000 crores. So uh, what problem does this uh, this number of planes and this particular deal solve for us militarily speaking? Yeah, it is true that it is in uh, at one go. This is the biggest deal signed by the by the Indian Air Force. Although Indian Air Force has uh, 272. Uh, Sukhoi, uh, Russian Sukhoi aircraft, they have all come, their deals have all been in packets of 30 or 40. Uh, never has India signed a deal for 83 aircraft in, in one go and never has the deal been for such a, such a, such a, big, such a big amount and it is an indigenous, uh, in, indigenous deal. What gaps does it fill? Primarily, it allows India to make up for the shortfall in the number of fighter squadrons. Uh, as you know, in the early 2000s, the Indian Air Force, through the Defence Ministry, had projected to the government that it needs 45 squadrons for the kind of challenges faces both from China and from Pakistan. The government of India had approved 42 and a half squadrons for the Indian Air Force. The Indian Air Force right now is down to 30 squadrons and effectively maybe even lesser than 30, maybe around 28, if I'm not right, if you see the operational, uh, operationally uh, capable squadrons, not just the squadrons with the numbers that they, that, they, that they have. And so it is in pretty bad shape. In a couple of years' time, it would probably have only as many squadrons as the, uh, as the Pakistan Air Force will have. Uh, leave alone the kind of uh, number of fighter jets that the Chinese Air Force, PLA Air Force, can bring in Tibet against uh, against India. So the primary reason is so, that uh, one, one squadron would have about uh, eighteen aircrafts. Uh, it can vary between sixteen and eighteen aircrafts. There can be a couple of trainers. It, but yes, a, a benchmark would be a, a rough yardstick would be eighteen. Yes. Okay, and we have not been able to uh, keep up uh, with the required number because of. Uh, because of what exactly? Is it because old aircraft are being uh, phased out and not being replaced or is it that our requirements have increased and uh, 
we have not been able to acquire uh, the greater numbers needed. So the older aircrafts uh, have not been replaced at uh, at a proper time. Uh, the, all these plans, like the MMRCA deal, which was cancelled, the 126 aircraft, and uh, the induction of Tej- the delayed induction of Tejas, and other delays, that uh, that is what has actually prevented uh, prevented uh, brought us to this pass where the uh, where the number of squadrons is much lesser than uh, than what than what it should be it is not that our requirements have suddenly increased the requirements were always known uh, but the but what has india procured in the last few years if you see india just procured 36 rafale that's all and try to make up some of the deficiencies of uh, of sukhoi uh, now by signing the deal with the russians trying to get some mig 29 old frames that have been lying for three decades in russia trying to get them fixed into an aircraft and get them here so it is a desperate attempt by on the on indian on the part of india to make up its numbers somehow while meanwhile also extending the life of the aircraft which were already in service whether it be the mig 29s or the mirage 2000s you know you have got, they have all gone up gone uh, undergone major overhauls so that somehow the numbers can be uh, can be kept up kept up but the situation is dire. As you can make out, the situation is really dire when it comes to number of aircraft. And Tejas um, hopes to, the, this contract for Tejas hopes to make up the shortfall to some extent partially, but not fully. Okay. So, yeah, so the numbers uh, being uh, uh, filled up is, is one uh, big uh, requirement here. So, coming to the actual plane, like what, what are its, its key technological and design features and how do they compare with with the global benchmarks for an equivalent uh, plane of this kind. Yes, yeah, Sampath, each plane is a different uh, different plane. Each aircraft is a different aircraft. So this aircraft primarily where what the HL TomToms and the Mark One Alpha uh, is the fact that it is a you know, highly maneuverable aircraft. The fact that it has a very powerful uh, uh, ISA radar, which is an Israeli, uh, which is an Israeli radar, uh, and th- that is what uh, that that is that that is what gives it advantage uh, over the Mark 1, which had a manual manual radar. Then is the weaponry. It has a beyond visual range Astra missile, which was developed by the by the by the DRDO. It has the ARSAM, R73, Derby missiles, all imported ones. It has uh, an electronic warfare suit, uh, which is an Israeli suit. Uh, the engine is of course G, GE's 404 engine. So you know, uh, it has it has got good avionics. So it uh, com- it stands comparable to any fourth generation fighter plane. But as you know, uh, world has already moved to fifth generation fighters. The Chinese are already inducting the J twenty. Have been inducting the J twenty. More than 50, 60 J twenty aircraft have already been inducted. Uh, Koreans and Japanese have bought the F thirty five, which is a fifth generation fighter. F-35s are also being inducted in the U.S. Air Force. So eventually, while it may be comparable to a good fourth-generation fighter, uh, but it is, uh, as a single-engine, good good single-engine fourth-generation fighter, it still uh, may not be sufficient to meet the requirements, the current requirements of the Indian Air Force when compared to the kind of, uh, kind of aircraft that the Chinese Air Force has. Okay, so the government has 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 said uh, repeatedly that this is going to be a game changer in terms of you know, the phrase they use is Atmanirbhartha and game changer for self-reliance in defense manufacturing because you know, it got a lot of uh, indigenous uh, part more than fifty percent. But then I when I mean, as a layperson I read that uh, the engine, which is a basic thing, is going to be from General Electric, uh, is an American company, and you spoke of Israeli radars and so on. So, how do we seriously assess this kind of a claim? Because 
But I, I would imagine that indigeneity would, would mean give some kind of strategic autonomy where you're not reliant on foreign countries to get your basic supplies and so on. But uh, this level of indigeneity where you still have key parts coming from outside, how do we assess this claim of uh, self-reliance? So, uh, you know, you are right in that sense. This uh, claim, claim of self-reliance is a huge boost. Uh, the right now, uh, officially also, the government, the government or the HAL claims that 50% of the subsystems are imported. And, you, and we are talking about some of the most critical subsystems, as you spoke of, the avionics, the, uh, the, uh, the electronic warfare suit, the radar, the, the engine. So, uh, essentially, some of the most important components are actually imported and are not developed indigenously. Uh, I, I was looking at a data point and the total number of subsystems are 344. 134 of them are imported. And by the end of the project, by the, towards the, by the time they start supplying the 80th, uh, 83rd aircraft, uh, they would have, uh, they would have brought the indigenous components down to 80. That is what essentially it is. Out of 344, 134 are imported. They would have brought, I correct myself, they would bring the imported subsystems down to 80 from 30, 134 out of 344. That is what the, uh, what the effort and the endeavor is. But neither the radar nor the electronic warfare suit nor the engine would be, uh, would be, Indian, would be of Indian origin. And they are some of the most important components uh, which are being... Uh, uh, which are being uh, tom tommed or or boasted off by the uh, by by the HAL and the government as uh, as the big plus with uh, with Tejas. So you know, I think personally, this claim that it will really it's a transformative thing, uh, maybe is rather overstated. Of course, it is important. If you know, if you build eighty three fighter aircraft in India, there would be other companies that would come around it. There would be small MSMEs which will come around it. There would be other companies which would get, bring technology in, into place. Uh, engineers would have advantage. Production systems would be streamlined. So nobody is saying that those huge advantages would not flow, but very clearly to show as if India has made an aircraft on its own and has everything of its own. That that's not true. Let's not forget that the Chinese fifth generation J twenty aircraft. Has, the, has a Chinese engine. It is. No, it no longer has the Russian engine, which they were initially using. They now have a. They now. They now have their own own engine in the uh, in the in the aircraft, the WS10 engine. So that is uh, that is what we, we are looking at. And the Chinese are already developing another fifth generation aircraft, FC31. So we have to realize what are the what is the adversary that we are that we are up against, rather than uh, trying to. Uh, go try to buy our own spin and trying to drink our own Kool-Aid, as the Americans would uh, would would call it. So usually, uh, when 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 we when we are discussing a new uh, a new plane which is coming up, uh, there's a usual tendency to sort of compare it with other other planes of its kind, especially uh, from the nations where you uh, which you think of when you consider threat perceptions. And and, and of course, I mean, it's not entirely appropriate to compare plane to plane because they are part of larger systems of defense and attack and you know each has its own place but having said that uh, how how would you uh, how does stages measure up against its typically mentioned counterpart in, uh, from pakistan such as the j17 block 3 or uh, or any other equivalent aircraft from china also 
Yeah, so uh, the JF-17 Sampath is a Chinese-Pakistani collaboration. In fact, it's a Chinese aircraft which is being uh, which is being uh, manufactured in Pakistan uh, by in Pakistani aeronautical factory complex. Uh, the JF-17, as per the Indian Air Force chief last week, uh, does not is not comparable to uh, to Tejas Mark One Alpha, primarily because of the radar and the and the weaponry. So the uh, the Tejas Mark One Alpha will have the Israeli automatic uh, scanning radar and will also have the beyond visual range uh, Astra missile, uh, and that is that would give it a huge advantage over uh, over the JF-17. It would be superior to JF-17 if they are caught in a one-to-one situation. But that having said, as you rightly said at the beginning, you know the one-to-one aircraft comparison uh, is not the right comparison in modern warfare. In modern warfare, an aircraft is a are a part of the larger system in which the uh, the electronic warfare, the radars, the the AVACs, the 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 uh, the whole communication setup, everything comes into comes into play at the same time. And what other aircraft are you operating with? So while the U.S. is inducting F-35, it is still inducting the F-15s at the same time because the F-35s will allow it to uh, will they will operate with the F-35s, which will have the stealth capacity, the fifth generation warfare capacity. So this is how most uh, most countries operate so if Tejas Tejas is part of a mix where it has other aircraft whether it is Rafale or a new fifth generation aircraft that India buys and is supported by uh, by modern uh, modern uh, you know support uh, systems that the that the aerial warfare requires then it may be very it, it may be very very effective at the end of the day when the Pakistanis came and uh, launched that at- attack in Rajori after Balakot they were using aircrafts, Mirage aircrafts, Mirage 3, which were like some 40 years old, really, really outdated aircrafts. But they were being operated along with the Vax and, uh, and the F-16 aircrafts, which are far more modern upgraded F-16 aircrafts, which had been upgraded by Turkey. And therefore, they were able to down Abhinandan's aircraft and bring down Abhinandan. They had better electronic warfare, jamming capacities. So all that comes, uh, comes into play. But yes, if you place it one to one, then the Indian Air Force believes that the Tejas Mark 1 Alpha, because of its uh, missile, beyond visual range missile, and the radar system, is far more powerful than the JF-17, which is a joint Chinese-Pakistani aircraft. Okay. So, uh, so given the estimated timeline for the production of uh, this aircraft, by, by when do we expect this uh, 73 Mark 1A Tejas planes to be uh, inducted into the Air Force? Uh, I, I think some but most people forget that the Mark 1A has not yet flown. The Mark 1A is expected to fly by end 2022. So by only end of next year will the first Mark 1A actually fly. Not that it will not fly, it will fly because it has a it is an improvement over the Mark 1A with some new systems being put in uh, put, put in place. So nobody expects it not to fly. But the fact is it has not flown yet. Uh, what is expected is that the because the out of this contract of 83, there are 10 trainers which are in the Mark 1 mode. Probably the HAL will first supply those trainers and buy some more time before it starts producing Mark 1A. And even if it reaches its capacity of uh, 16 aircraft per year, and the uh, HAL has never reached those numbers ever. If it if it reaches that capacity, we should have by uh, 2030, 2030. Uh, the oh, the 73 73 Mark One aircraft that we uh, that we expect to get from this contract. It is also we should remember that the backlog with the uh, with the HAL from the existing contract, the IOC, FOC, 
and including this contract of 83 is now 105 aircraft. They are still to uh, supply 14 FOC uh, Mark 1 aircraft fighters. They are still to supply those eight trainers uh, for, for IOC, 4 for FOC. Now all will be FOC. They have to 10 trainers for this in this contract and 73 Mark 1A in this contract. So that makes it 105 aircraft, which is already a backlog with the with the HAI. So it is just not 73 or 83. It's actually 105 that they have to start supplying and, and producing and they have to still fly the Mark 1A with all the all these systems in place. So even assuming uh, say 10 or 14 aircraft here, it could take about 20, 29, 20, 30 for, for them to be inducted into the Air Force. Yeah, so the, the realistic expectation is 2030. I think by 2030, we should expect if everything goes as per plan, uh, these aircraft to be inducted in the in the Indian Air Force by 2030. Okay, so uh, are, are there any plans for export of uh, Tejas and, and if so, like what would be its USP? Yeah, I think the Tejas uh, export plans, we have not heard for uh, of any uh, interest by any of the foreign uh, countries in Tejas. Uh, I think the USP uh, would be that they would be countries friendly to India and uh, they would be interested in an aircraft uh, which India is producing. Uh, but India doesn't have a great record of producing uh, uh, high-tech combat equipment. And as we saw with the Dhruv helicopters, Ecuador took them and they were not happy with it. Not many people were happy with the, with the, with the, with the, with the equipment, defense equipment that India uh, that India produces. So I really do not expect uh, much interest uh, globally. Also because it is not a cheap aircraft. It is uh, it is uh, some at least $15 million per piece more than the JF-17, uh, the Chinese aircraft. Uh, and the JF-17 is a proven aircraft which is which is flying in service in Pakistan Air Force. It has a few scones already already up uh, compared to compared to Tejas. And also the fact that most of the components of Tejas are critical components of Tejas are imported, and you would not be able to sell it to a third country unless uh, the supplier of those uh, of that equipment agrees uh, to 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 be allowed to be exported to those countries. So there'll be restrictions from the Israelis, there'll be restrictions from the US on whom uh, the the aircraft can be sold to, even if interest is uh, interest is is, is shown by uh, by some by some foreign countries. Okay, so looking at this timeline, uh, if if see if if the two objectives are of course to plug the number of uh, planes that our squadrons uh, need and then also uh, give a fillip to defense manufacturing uh, uh, indigenously uh, wouldn't it have made better sense both cost wise and strategy wise to get HIL to to function as an offset partner for this whole Rafale deal with the tech transfer and then use this 48,000 crores we are spending to just buy uh, you know ready to fly kind of planes instead. Uh, I think that's one uh, that's one option, uh, but I think the reasoning against that is that in most cases of technology transfer, uh, it's almost like the assembling that the that the HEL does, as we saw, as we have seen with Sukhoi. Uh, really, uh, technology does not get transferred, uh, whereas and it does not create an ecosystem 
uh, of industry, a network of small industry around it, which can produce these technologies. Uh, and Israel is the favorite example, which most countries give how it doesn't produce a full platform, but it produces all these subsystems. So the advantages really do not accrue in a, uh, in a transfer of technology case because the technologies never get transferred. So India has not been able to produce Bofos till now. There was a proper technology transfer in the case of Bofos. The, uh, the drawings were with Indians. Everything was with Indians. And they're still trying to produce that, uh, that, that, gun, that gun in India. So uh, the idea of self-reliance, indigenousness, indi uh, indigenous production, being able to invigorate your own industry, kickstart your own industry, that is something that is very difficult to do. Um, that is very difficult to do with technology or so-called technology of transfer because no country gives away uh, the, the the real important technology. So even in case of Rafale, France never gave the engine technology. You know, Indians always thought that we are signing such a big deal and we are paying such a heavy price. You know, we'd be really paying a bomb to them. They would probably be large large-hearted enough to share uh, engine transfer technology, jet engine transfer technology. But they did not do it. You know, so only five countries have the jet engine transfer technologies globally. So the real technologies never get transferred, and uh, and that would have been that would have been the the reason uh, in the minds of the decision makers, so as not to go for uh, go for the uh, go for the Rafale option. Although for the Air Force, it would have been a much better option. They would have got an aircraft of similar type, of a much higher quality, of a proven of a proven nature. Which they could have used, uh, which they could have used very easily, and they would have got it much quicker. I guess. Yes, definitely, they would have got got much quicker and a proven aircraft, an, an aircraft which is proven, which they are comfortable with, which they know, uh, which they know what to how to operate and and work with. Okay, again, coming back to the question of uh, time and timelines. Now, uh, I mean, as you pointed out earlier, Tejas uh, Mark One A is a fourth generation fighter plane. And uh, it's going to be delivered far into the future. Suppose you know, yes, we were looking at 2030 and going by the example of the MiG uh, planes, which have been in service for 35 to 40 years, that means we're going to be flying the pages till 2070. Okay, And people are already using, as you said, the fifth generation fighter aircraft right now. China has got its uh, Chengdu J-20 and they're developing one more FC-31, I think. So wouldn't it have made better sense for us to be focusing on designing and manufacturing a fifth generation jet now rather than a fourth generation jet now. Uh, yes, that's one thought process, but I think the capacity to develop a fifth generation aircraft does not probably exist in India. Uh, so India is the the timeline for uh, the future is that the Tejas Mark II, uh, which would be a significantly heavier aircraft, a medium uh, range aircraft, uh, unlike the light combat aircraft that Mark One is, uh, that would. First, that would have its first flight in 2026. And the AMCA, which is the fifth generation fighter, would have its first flight in 2031. Those are the plans as of now. But as we know from our previous experiences, those plans are just not sacrosanct at all. Sacrosanct at all and those plans can be should, be should be rather taken with a pinch of salt, if not a bag full of salt. Okay, uh, just to wind up, a final question, uh, Sushant. So, if you were the chief of, say, of the Indian Air Force, say, and you had uh, 48,000 crores handed to you uh, tomorrow, how would you spend it? Uh, 
No, I think perhaps uh, if the if the Indian Air Force had the capacity or the or the decision to spend forty eight thousand crores, they would have probably gone for a for a foreign single engine proven fighter like Gripen, which is manufactured by the Swedish company Saab. I am aware of the discussions in the within the Indian Air Force starting from two thousand fifteen onwards. They were where they were very keen for a uh, for a platform like Gripen to come in, in come into India and establish a, a, a production facility here and start producing the aircraft and supplying and supplying it to them. Or they would have gone for a production line of Rafale in India, uh, which, which would have allowed them to reduce the spread of the kind of number of aircraft that they use. And if I had some money, I would also look at augmenting the... Uh, the the uh, the electronic the uh, the electronic warfare capacities and the mid air refueling capacities which are really in a short supply in india today you know india has lesser india doesn't virtually really does not have mid air refueling cap- capacities now india does not have any avacs left it has very few avacs it doesn't have the electronic warfare capacities if we are really struggling with all the other systems that we need beyond beyond the aircraft there was a talk of leasing aircraft for mid-air refueling, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the only model because India really doesn't have money. So, you know, the, the idea is that we, we, that we can somehow make do by leasing aircraft instead of buying them so that we can survive. Then Indian Navy leased two drones, uh, unarmed drones recently for, 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 for surveillance. Uh, what, another interesting point, Sampati, among the discussion, it didn't emerge. But let me also tell you that out of the whatever 47,000 crores, 45,696 crores, the deal is almost 18 to 20 percent is the tax amount which will go back to the government you know say almost 9000 crores is going back to the government out of this so uh, this is uh, this is a crazy situation 20 percent of the amount goes back to the government it will count as a tax re- tax revenue for the government but it's actually government's own money allocated to the indian air force the indian air force pays to hal hal pays gst when it's supplying and this goes back to the government of india so what actually is, so the, what does it today, mean it just like you're just shifting account books one column to the other right yeah so you are sh- you are able to show as if you have given oh such a good amount to the to the indian air force but actually you've taken 9000 crores to the back door into and to revenue and you are able to augment your revenue so you are able to show oh, i am earning so much more tax no, it's actually these. It's a very how do I put it? You know, if I were to be harsh, I would say it's a very devious way of doing things. So you you publicly project as if you have given money to the air force, uh, then you end up showing HL in bad light because the HL is making such an expensive aircraft, 385 what 400 crores, 500 crores for an aircraft, where the aircraft is only 315 crores. All the other monies for other things, and on top of that, you are paying 20% tax, which goes to the government. Why why go through the whole chicanery? Why not keep the keep the money with you <laughs> in the first place and just allocate what is required? So you know, it's it's it's, it's just those questions which make me extremely uncomfortable about the whole idea. And the politics around uh, making a, a hoo-ha around such kind of agreements, which should be driven purely by strategic and operational considerations, and not by the idea of how it will impact the public or affect the public, and how would how can I derive political mileage out of it? Something should be left out of uh, you know routine domestic politics, uh, and and I think uh, national security and defense uh, should be one of those things. Right, right. This entire uh, this entire issue of uh, of how uh, of what happens when when the state uses the discourse around uh, national security to gain political mileage or electoral mileages, it, it, it deserves an entire uh, discussion to itself. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sushant, for joining us and for sharing your insights uh, into this uh, discussion. Thank you, Sampath. I enjoyed myself on being being on the show. Thank you so much. 
In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.